Okay, people. So it is time for the last echo chamber of 2022. And uh, yeah, we've got four films for you people. But as we do, we're going to start things off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 23rd to the 25th of December. It's pretty much how you would expect, right? How, how we thought it would be last week. At number 10 is The Muppet Christmas Carol. Brian Henson directs, Jerry Jewell writes, and um, it's adapted from the Charles Dickens novel. Okay, at number nine, we looked at this film last week. It is Strange World from Disney. Don Hall and Kwai Nujin direct and Nujin um, writes a screenplay. We've got Jack Gyllenhaal, um, Dennis Quaid, Gabriel Union, Jacoby Young-White, Lucy Liu, and Alan Turek throwing their voices into the mix. Which means at number eight, it's a wonderful life. Frank Capra directs Francis Goldrich and Albert Hackett write the screenplay. James Stewart, Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore, Thomas Mitchell, Henry Travis. Yeah, they all start in the film. Right, so at number seven... It is Home Alone. Chris Columbus directs uh, John Hughes writes. People often think John Hughes actually directed it. No, he just wrote this one. And it stars. I think it was the big break, really, from Macaulay Culkin. You know, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, Robert Blossoms, Catherine O'Hara, Angela Goshals, and... Um, Oh, John Candy shows up as well. You know what I mean? So at number six, still holding on strong, it's Black Panther Wakanda forever. Okay, so Ryan Coogler back in the director's chair, and he co-writes with Joe Robert Cole. Uh, starring Angela Bassett, Danny Gaera, Latita Wright, Lapita Nungingo, Tenich Herrera, Lake Bell, Martin Freeman, Michaela Cole, Dominic Bourne, Wilson Duke, Richard Schiff. Oh, man, I really do need to watch that goddamn film. Okay, so we're in our top five. And at number five, it is A Violent Night. This is from Tommy Work. Wakola. Um, it's written by Josh Miller and Pat Casey, and it's starring David Harbour, Beverly D'Angelo, John Lou Gazamo, uh, Cam Gigerich, Edie Patterson, Brendan Fletcher, Mitri Suri. I hear it's very good. Eh, I do. 
Uh, at number four, it is John Favreau's Elf. Uh, this was written by David Burnaboom, and it's starring Will Farrell, James Kahn, Ed Asner, um, Zoe Duchanel, Mary Steenbergen, Daniel Tay, Fazy and Love, Peter Dinkage. Amy Sedaris. I mean, it's a bit of a Christmas classic, probably, I would say. Another one of those is Richard Curtis's Love Actually. Bill Nye, uh, Gregor Fisher, Roy McGregor, Colin Firth, Sienna Gilroy, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson, Lulu Popperwell, uh, Chris Marshall, Martin Freeman, Chetta Etaway, Andrew Lincoln, Kira Knightley, Joanna Page, Hike Makatish. Yeah, I do enjoy this one. I really do. Um, at number two, it is Matilda the Musical, right? Which was based on Matilda the Book from Ronald Dahl. Uh, Dennis Kelly writes a screenplay, Matthew Warkus directs, and it's starring Emma Thompson, Stephen Graham, Andrea Reisberg, Lashana Lynch, Aisha Weir, Nick Owen Ford, Serena Suling Bliss. You know what I mean? At number one, people, as suspected, right? Avatar, The Way of Water. James Cameron is back on Pandora. He co-writes with Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. And return, we've got Zoe Salander, Sam Worthington, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang. Um, there's Bailey Bass, Giovanni Ravisi, Kate Winslet. You know what I mean? Chloe Coleman. Woo! You know what I mean? The cast is hot. Um, yeah, I'll probably get to see it at some point. You know what I mean? But yes, that is all of that. So, I kind of feel let us get into the film, shall we, people? Buckle the fuck up. Let's go. Okay, people, so we start this off with our, um, our look back, right? We have got the indie hit, right? It blew up. It's Pig. Okay, people, so another film. It's one of those episodes, right, which I've heard so many good things about was pig you know what i mean so this film boy it kind of dropped in uh what 2021 you know what i mean nicholas cage all of that so i was like you know what let me give it a whirl so it is directed by michael samoski in his feature directorial debut he wrote the script with vanessa block um, the film is produced by Block, 
Um, also, Thomas Bensky, um, Nicholas Cage, David Carrico, um, Ben Giladi, Adam Paulson, Dory A. Raff, Joseph Restanio, uh, Steve Tisch, and Demetra Tishigu. It is executive produced by um, Samoski, Yara Shoemaker, Tim O'Shea, Bobby Hopi, Vince Holden, Aviv Giladi, Michael Diamond, Danny Cohen, uh, Marissa Clifford, Len Blavonic, and Robert Bartner. Uh, the film is co-produced by Kyle Eaton. Um, and a line produced by Stephen Wiseman. Music is Alexis Grapasa and Philip Klein. Patrick Scola handles cinematography. Brett W. Buckman edits the piece. Simon Max Hill casting. Production design was Tyler B. Robinson. Catherine Ism handles set decoration. Costume design is James Neon. Um, hair and makeup is Claire Amadia, Amber Arpin, Sarah Bukas, Jessica Miller, Emmy Otis, Autumn Sanders, Michelle Stoyanov. Pamela Walden and Tyranny Mesmer. Our cast, well, we have Nicolas Cage as Robin, aka Rob Phil, Feld. Rob Feld? Yeah, I think that's correct. Um, yeah. Uh, we've got his. Dead Wife is played by Laurie, is played by Cassandra Violet. Then there's Amir, he's a truffle salesman, played by Alex Wolf. Amir's dad, um, who is Darius, played by Adam Arkin. Uh, there's um, Edgar, played by Darius Pierce. Um, Dave, played by Sean Taratota. Mac, uh, who used to work with Rob, is played by Gretchen Corbett. There is Donna, played by Beth Harper. Scratch, played by Elijah Ungavi. Bree, played by Julia Bray. Uh, Dennis, played by Kevin Michael Moore. Um, Butcher Joe, played by Tom Walton. Bryce, 
Davies King. Charlotte is played by Nina Belfort. Chef Finway is played by David Kuhn. Um, the Nurse Linda is played by Dana McCallan. Uh, Jezebel is played by Delaney Young. Helen October Moore. Um, and our peak is played by Cora and Brandy. <laughs> yes, I think that's I think that's it. Oh, and David Shonazy um, is the audiobook narrator. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. With his only connection to the outside world lying in Portland, businessman Amir taciturn meditative hermit rob has found solace deep in the heart of the dense oregon forests and a unique bond with his only companion his beloved truffle hunting pig tired of grappling with the profound sadness of prolonged grief rob relies on a simple daily routine to keep his sanity self-respect and dignity utterly unaware that he has already caught unwanted attention. Now his best friend is missing and revenge can only make things worse. Indeed, strange as it sounds, inconsolable Rob only wants his pig back. And if he has to, he'll go to the edge of the world to find her. But first things first, who has Rob's pig? So, yeah, that's the gist of the film, people. I will, like, a bit that doesn't really make any sense. You know what I mean? Um, where it's like, on a simple, Rob relies on a simple daily routine to keep his sanity, self-respect, and dignity. And it's like, kind of looks like Rob ain't showered in a goddamn while. So... You know what I mean? Uh, keeping your self-respect and dignity. Keeping clean is kind of part of that. Right? I think you, you could be writing all day, you, you know what I mean, doing things. But if you're sitting there in your own filth, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to have a lot of self-respect if you're stinking up the place. Right? Um, And... Yeah, yeah, there's a part in the film where he's just been bleeding and he doesn't clean his face, right? At the very end, we see him clean his face and you're just like, what are we doing here, right? What are we doing? Now, I think this film, you get the feeling. Well, I got the feeling. I should say, I got the feeling. Right, that it's looking at relationships, the human condition, right? Our dreams, aspirations, what happens if something falls away? How do we recover? How do we cope? Right, that's what it seemed like. I may be fucking wrong here, right? I may be wrong, but. Though I could see those things in the film, it did, I don't know, it felt kind of convoluted, right, in the way to get there. Now, 
it's not a long film. It's literally just over an hour and a half, over 90 minutes, right? But it felt long. It felt really fucking long to me. I mean, I, I was, I don't know. I felt myself kind of flagging. You know what I mean? I'm just, just like, just trying to keep focus on this film. There didn't seem to be a lot pulling me here. It's just because we got this, um, you know, we've seen this dynamic of a surly old person who's rude to everyone. But people seem to love the person and want to help the person. In reality, no one's helping this fucking person. Right? No one's helping this fucking person. There's, there's no reason to be a complete and utter dick. Right? It's that weird thing, you know, when we see these things about chefs and they're complete assholes. You know what I mean? They shout and swear and belittle people, but it's just like, but they're the best person, chef in the world, so I've got to put up. Well, you don't. You don't. Right? And you know, from what we get the gist of, Rob was an outstanding chef. You know, his legend precedes himself. Everyone still is like, oh, Rob Veld. Oh, my God, Rob Veld. Oh. But it's just like we seem to be a dick to everyone. So it's a bit like why, right? Why and why are these people putting up with it? Why are these people still like, oh, he's so great. He's so amazing. Yes, his wife died, right? That's sad. You give someone a pass for a, a little bit, you know what I mean? While they're getting over, it's just happened. It's fresh. But there's a period, there's a point where you go, okay, mm, you need to sort yourself out because I ain't putting up with this shit anymore. And yeah, there's not, I don't know, there wasn't much to like about this character. Even to emphasize with this character, yeah, you lost your pig. I get it. But again, come on, man. Please and thank you goes a long way. You know what I mean? And then just the dirtiness. I originally thought that this would was going to be kind of like Mandy, but a, loss, a lot less trippy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mandy was some crazy-ass shit. I liked it. It was fun. But, it, it, yeah, there was a lot of trippiness involved. And I thought with the way this started and everything, you think, oh, is it going to be like Mandy? It's not really like Mandy, which not not saying that it's a good or a bad thing. But, yeah, at the beginning, I was like, is it going to be like that? Um, it's not. Some the, the acting was solid enough, but yeah, there was just not enough really about any of these characters where I gave a damn. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I I just really couldn't just vibe with it. I couldn't see where everyone says, "Oh, this is incredible." You know, the script was fine. But it just, yeah, there's all these gaps. Like, there's this underground fighting ring. I have no clue what the point of that was. I have no clue what the point of that scene was. Just to get some info. Uh, it's like, what? Right? And then just going the way he went into it again. What the fuck was the point? 
What was the point? I have no clue. I have no clue. It was just weird. And then I think the way this all unfolded, right? You just think, okay, if the outcome was this thing, this could have all been resolved real fucking quick. Like, what was the point? There was no point in certain characters doing certain things when at the very end, they were just going to say and do and be and whatever, whatever. Right? And you could say, oh, it's all about control and power and blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, it just is, you know, I think we're meant to believe that this character is scary and it's got all this power, but it's just, we're not, there's not enough to see, right? Everything is meant to be just on our assumption, but it's just like, I'm just not buying it, right? I'm not buying it, right? There, there's the, the dead mum, which then becomes a thing, and then it's just like, okay, why? Right? Why? Because I don't really feel that added any extra to the story. I don't think it did anything to the story. So it's just kind of, it's a little baffling, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, maybe I've missed something about this film. Maybe I have. Look, the cinematography was nice. The, the, the score was fine. It just didn't grab me, right? So maybe I've missed this big thing that everyone else could see. But, yeah, it's fine, right? And I think we will be able to see what Samoski has um, when he does the uh, A Quiet Place, you know, standalone seat like thingy bob you know he's he's doing that day one right so yeah it'll be that was another reason why i was gonna wanted to watch this because you know i'd heard all these things and then he got like brought on to be the new director of that film and i'm just like okay so yeah he must have shown some stuff right but yeah you know i, I think we'll be able to see he him and what he developed into with that film, you know, this was a solid foundation, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Not blown away. I didn't hate it, but didn't love it. Kind of indifferent. But yeah, Pig. So now TV in the UK. You know, you can watch it on Apple, Amazon, all that jazz. So yeah, I don't know, people. Maybe. Um, you know, you feel I'm missing something, let me know. You know, you fill me in. I want to understand. But yeah, this is my thoughts on pig, babe. Okay, next up, it's a sequel, right? I think this was 2021. But uh, yeah, sequel to a great, uh, great new entry in the kind of horror Genre, it's a quiet place too.
Okay, people. So something I was so looking forward to, right, was A Quiet Place 2. Now, the original, which dropped in 2018, was so freaking good. So good. And I, I went to see it in the cinema, right? And I remember having to complain because fucking people were talking. You know what I mean? Like, in the title, it's a quiet place. Shut the fuck up. Right? But even with that, I still thoroughly enjoyed this film. So, yeah, when word came that they were doing a sequel, I was like, ooh, okay. Okay. Now, hopefully, it can still channel that magic. Right? Hopefully... It's not a money grab because the first tiny budget, tiny budget made a whole heap of change, right? So there's there's definitely those fears with something like this, but the team, you know, the team behind it, well, the team behind it, a lot of the actors are back. John Krasinski, ah, I can never pronounce homie's name, but he was back directing. He wrote this one he co-wrote the first he just takes over complete writing duties for this one so he writes it um it is produced by kransky uh also michael bay andrew form and brad fuller it's executive produced by aaron janus Joanne Peritano and Alison Seeger. It's co-produced by Alexa Zink Ginsberg. Okay, Marco Beltrami handles the music. Polly Morgan, the cinematography. Michael P. Shore edits the film. Casting was Jody. Angstrich, Maribeth Fox, and Laura Rosenfall. Uh, Jess Guncher handles production design. Christopher J. Morris, art direction. Set decoration is Michael J. Amato, Nancy Haig, and Hannah Waltz. Costume design is Kazia Walika Marimoon. Um, and our cast, wow, um, Emily Blunt is back as Evelyn Abbott, um, Regan Abbott is again played by Millicent Simmons, and our little brother Marcus is played by Noah Jopp, uh, we do have Kransky back as Lee Abbott, right, yeah, I'll get into that. Um, we have Cillian Murphy as Emmett, a friend of the family. Um, Okoret Omanudwan is kind of also a friend of the family. He's a police officer. Um, Zachary Gollinger is Emmett's son. Do not get a name. Uh, 
Mm, who else do we do? Oh, we get Lauren Ashley Cristano as Emmett's wife. Um, hmm. We get uh, Scoot McNary is in it. Uh, Dijon Huzu is in it. I can't really say what the roles are. Um, interestingly enough, right, Dean Woodard plays a younger version of Bo Abbott. And in the original, his brother plays an older version of the same character. And his brother got it in that first film, so you know. <laughs> um, David Lundy, he's there. Michaela Pace, Barbara Singer, Ashley Dyke, Alice Sophie Malayukov, Silas Piera Olson. Yeah, they're all up in it. Um, now, the gist of the story is this. With the newly acquired knowledge of the seemingly invulnerable creature's weaknesses, grief-stricken Evelyn Abbott finds herself on her own with two young teens, a defenseless newborn son, and with no place to hide. Now, 474 days after the all-out alien invasion, in a quiet place, though a quiet place, you know, wasn't day one, right? The abbots summon up every last ounce of courage to lead them now burned to the ground farm and embark on a peril-laden quest to find civilization. With this in mind, determined to expand beyond the boundaries, the resilient survivors have no other choice but to venture into eerily quiet uncharted hostile territory hoping for a miracle but this time the enemy is everywhere bam, bam, bam. so yeah now i remember in that first one the oh there was a good few jump scares right and just crazy moments. Remember when um, Evelyn's walking down the stairs and she steps on the nail? Oh, but you can't scream because you know that's going to bring the alien down on you. Oh, it was great, right? So there are moments like that, especially uh, there's, a, there's a bit with a train and Regan. And you're just like, <clears throat> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's that. So that made me feel good. That made me feel good, right? That they, they were still able to um, have those moments. And I, th I think them leaving, right, having to venture out makes a lot of sense, right? Because yeah, the farm burned down. What are they meant to do? Now, before we get to that, we open up with a flashback, right? So that's why we see Lee. That's why we see, like, all these other people from the town and their friends and everything. And, yeah, it's definitely, like, I wasn't expecting it. 
right? So you're just like, wait, what's that? What's happening? And we kind of see how the aliens first arrive, kind of, not quite, kind of, you know? I think one thing with this, we do see more of the alien. In the first film, it was one of those, it was a bit like, um, you know, the, 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 the film Alien itself, Ridley Scott's Alien Ring, where we, we don't really see the alien at all right there's little moments and stuff like that which just made it even more sinister now in this we do get better looks at what this alien is they do make it fucking creepy with just the way the head opens and just all of that so it's just like ooh, it, it, it's not <laughs> you know what i mean it's, it's not pleasant um, though, yeah, you do kind of feel, I wish I didn't see it as much, just because the, the mystique is lost slightly, right? But, yeah, it, it, you know, this stuff, it, it really does make a lot of sense, right? When they, they have to go to this place, well, they stumble upon this place, right? And... Hmm. Actually, probably they didn't stumble. They knew it was obviously they knew it was there. <laughs> you know, it's in the town they live in. But like you think, oh shit. This makes a lot of sense, right? When you're dealing with aliens and they can hit they've got acute hearing, right? This this kind of spot makes a lot of sense. So there was all of these things going down, and you're like, oh, okay, that's really yeah. No, that's good. That's decent, right? And, it, you know, we have grief and everything like that that's going on for, the, like, several different people. So you're just like, okay, right? I can, yeah, I buy this, right? I buy what's happening. Now, one thing with this is it did feel that, like, some of the scenarios... Like it, 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 it's a little bit contrived, right? Now, you definitely understand what Regan is doing, but the one big thing with Regan going is like, short is death. So you kind of feel she's in a world where there's no noise, right? So Maybe that's gonna is that gonna help her, right? But she doesn't know how much noise she might be making. So there, there's a bit when you know we we there's a lot of times we're in her world, so where she can't hear anything, and so it's kind of we're following in that kind of guise. But then there's this bit where we actually kind of hear just her. Not overly quiet, <laughs> right? Now, look, they're all no socks on. They're, they're walking. So, obviously, they're trying to be quiet. But there's a level of noise which just happens. So, you do kind of think, could she really have got that far on her J's? Because I don't know, right? I do not know. 
but it's still, you know, I feel it works, right? It works. It's fun. Um, but there is a bit when everyone leaves in, in like these separate different kind of moments type of thing. But it's just like, mm, I do not feel, <laughs> right? I do not feel that there was a need for Marcus to um, get out. Right. And I think there's, it is one of those things, you know, when we'll see something happen and the camera will linger on this thing, maybe. But, you know, OK, this isn't going to play into it yet, but there's going to be a point where now this is affecting Right, and so that happens, and a few times, and you're just like, oh, come on, like, we didn't need that, like, we didn't need that, but yeah, there's a bit when they're, they're all outside, and you're just like, oh no, did they really need to be outside, you know what I mean, did they really need to be outside, and there's this, yeah, there's these interesting moments. There's something at a harbour where you, again, kind of think, okay, right, I definitely get people doing people shit, but what's the end goal here? Because you know that noise brings aliens. So a lot of people, more chance for noise. So, what's the end goal with this? And then, I think one of the really crazy moments of the film happened. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's something that, because I understand this film, you know, it's been out a little while now. So, spoilers, it's one of those weird things, right? But. I'm going to be respectful and I'm not going to like just come out and be like when this happened at this bit and blah, 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 blah. But there's a bit where, um, yeah, we're dealing with one of the aliens and it's just like, I don't know how that would have happened because how are those people alive if this thing was there, right? You're telling me it was just going to sit it sit all snug? No. No, 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 no. It's just like there's no way. I just don't see how that happens, right? I don't see that how that happens. And also, when you're leaving this thing now, no one, relatively no one heard anything saw anything that made him go, hold on, that means, right? There's just too many crazy things. I understand that it, you know, brings, like, excitement, maybe to the last little bit of the film, but it just seems a little crazy. It does seem a little crazy. And I think this one is definitely... 
it definitely ends in a way where it's just like, yeah, expect a third film. And we know there's going to be a third film and we are getting day one, right? A spin-off film. Um, I forget who's directing that one now, but yeah, that's coming. So I'm definitely down for the new installments, see what happens. I do think that this, although good, right? Definitely good. And we like some very tremendous, like, oh my gosh, some very, very good performance. Like Millicent Simmons was incredible in the first film, exceptional again in this one. Cillian Murphy is great as Emmett. You know, Emily Blunt, very good. Right, John Kaninsky obviously is good. Like, <laughs> Noah Jupp, good, but the character, Marcus, <sighs> fucking roll your eyes. You Because it's just, yeah, some dumb shit. This character does a lot of dumb shit in this film, for sure. But yeah, no, definitely some good acting, very good cinematography, just all of that, Chaz. But it's not as strong as the first film. Definitely not as strong as the first film. And as mentioned, it does feel that we, we're getting these moments that are just solely there to create something. Right? To force now this alien interaction or this heightened moment of unrest. Right, where the first film, it just kind of seemed that it the story just flowed so well. And you know, what I mean, there was no kind of forcing moments. But you know, as a sequel, still not that bad. Still not that bad, and a lot better than a lot of sequels out there. So if you enjoyed the first A Quiet Place, I do believe A Quiet Place 2 is worth checking out. Right, so I watch it on Now TV. It's all over the place. It's you, you know, I think you can grab it on Amazon and just all of that kind of stuff. So uh, yes, a quiet place to check it out. Okay, so DC have had their ups and downs, but this was definitely hailed. As a shining light. So, people, we take a look finally at the Batman. Okay, so finally, people, finally, I got round to watching the Batman. <laughs> Man, yo, so many people have been talking about this film. Right, it's being declared as one of the best films, you know. So I was like, I've been trying to get around to watch it, so I was, I was happy to get that done. Right, so this new iteration is directed by Matt Reeves, who co wrote it with Peter Craig. Reeves also produces uh, the film, right. Along with um, 
Dylan Clark. It's executive produced by Simone Emmanuel, Walter Hamanda, Hamanda, right? Um, Michael E. Uslan and Chantal Nongvu. It's associate produced by Adam Sorin, Toby Hefferman, and Tina Anderson. Music was handled by Michael Giannici. Greg Fraser handled the cinematography. William Hay and Tyler Nelson edited the joint. Casting was Lucy Bevan and Cindy Tolan. Production design is James Chinlond. Um, set decoration, Laura Nook and Lee Sandals. Costume design, David Crossman, Glyn Dillon and Jacqueline Duran. Um, our cast. Well... Playing Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. The Batman, is Robert Patterson in this new era. Lieutenant James Gordon is played by Jeffrey Wright. Right? Who... Didn't Jeffrey Wright play uh, J. Jamer Jameson in Daredevil? I think he did. Right? I think he did. Um... We have Catwoman, though she's not called Catwoman in this film. Selena Kyle, played by Zoe Kravatz. We got the Riddler, played by Paul Dano. Carmine Fal Falcone, played by John Turturro. Oz, aka the Penguin, played by Colin Farrell. Alfred Pennyworth is played by Andy Serkis here. Uh, District Attorney Gil Colson is played by Peter Skarsgård. Uh, yeah, I'm. There's a lot of people in here, and I'm looking. And I'm thinking. I feel I know you from somewhere. Yeah, he was one of them. Okay, Bella Rial is played by Jamie Lawson. She's a mayoral candidate. Um, Kenzie is played by Peter McDonald. Uh, Chief. Mackenzie Buck is played by Con O'Neill. Commissioner Pete Savage is played by Alex Burns. Uh, Mayor Don Mitchell Jr. is played by Robert, sorry, Rupert Perry Jones. Um, his wife is played by Kosha Engler, and his son is played by Archie Burns or Barnes, even. Um, we've got and Anika, played by Hannah Hertz. Anika is Selena's girlfriend. Um, a young version of the Ridley's, played by Joseph Walker. Uh, we've got a young version of Bruce Wayne, played by Oscar Novak. Thomas Wayne, his dad, is played by Luke Roberts. And Martha Wayne is played by Stella Stoker. Um, now, it was revealed in this film that Martha's maiden name is Arkham. I've never known that. I don't know if that was done in, just for this film, or if that was Batman.
Batman lore from days of ye old, but never knew that. Yeah. I mean, you don't care, but yeah. Um, Dory, who is, I feel Dory was the house um, maid, whatever you would call, refer to her in Wayne Manor. It's played by Sandra Dickinson. Uh, Travis, played by Jack Bennett. Uh, Richie, Andre Nightingale. Glenn, Richard James Neal. Cherry, played by Lorraine Tay. Um... I think that is probably it of our, yeah, our main characters, I would say. Mm, oh, the twins were Charlie and a Max Carver. They work for Falcone. Um, yeah, that. Definitely, yeah, I feel that was our, our main people. Now, the gist of the story is this. Batman ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues. As the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear, he must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to abuse, bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long played the metropolis. So, yeah, that is the gist of this iteration of the Batman. And, you know, I think mean, one of the big things was it was going to be darker, right? Darker than a lot of Bruce, um, you know, DC films that have had already been out, you know, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, um, the Superman films, Justice League, all of that kind of thing. Well, I mean, other than the Joker, right? Or is it the Joker or Joker? I, either way, um, that was the thing. And all, like another big thing was also this isn't. This was going to be separate like Joker, you know, which I mean, I don't really understand. Doesn't necessarily make any sense. If you're trying to build something, right, have loads of different films set in different versions of the universe, it's just, I, I don't know. But that was the thing. So, yeah, this definitely had a darker tone. Definitely had a darker tone, looked great, you know, cinematically, right? Visually, yeah, looks really good. And I think one of the other big things here, we weren't going to get the origin story, which is always good because like Spider-Man, we've seen Batman's origin story so many fucking times, right? So many times. Um, we weren't going to get a, a, a weird Batman voice a la Christian Bale. Right. But there are things I feel there are things that come with that, you know, um, and the, I think one of the other huge things, this is year two for the Batman. Right. It's year two. So he's done a lot of shit, but he's still kind of new. 
to this in a way, right? Now, not in a way that, yeah, most people would know who the fuck he is, especially if you've now got the bat signal, right? But he, there's still a load of stuff he hasn't done, right? So, I mean, there's some of the big things of this iteration. Now, we open up with, um, yeah, the mayor being whacked. And one big thing with that, because we see him in his room watching the TV and like all of this kind of stuff. And we see someone behind him. Clearly behind him. And this scene goes on for a while and you're just like, I feel something you would guess someone's in the room. Right? Yeah, just that. I just I wasn't really buying that because I'm just like, no, you did. There'd be a sense of someone's in the room, or you'd hear something like, something, mm, "Come on, come on," and especially when we find out who the Riddler is, it's just like, "There's no, no this dude ain't pulling off stealth." Other big thing, right? There is a different actor. I I feel that when we see the Riddler. Um, that is a different actor, right? At the beginning and through a load of these different um sequences and attacks and everything like that, because you look at the because right. So on IMBD, Salil Vad is credited as Riddler, right? But not credited, and I feel. He may be the guy that we see in a lot of those early scenes, you know, in in the house, in the mayor's house, right in in the um, district attorney's car, just in a load of those scenes, because physically he looks different there to them when we see him at the end, and right the at the very end you get the you know the guy being like um. Well, you know, physically, I can't do it. I do it mentally. And it's just like, okay, if that's the case, how the fuck is it then that you overpowered all of these people? You know what I mean? Like some of that doesn't, and to really knock someone out with a weapon, you gotta be strong, right? A, a, a weak person might hit you over the head and you might be like, ah, motherfucker. But you're not gonna get knocked out by it. Right, there needs to, it's not just, oh, I'm hitting someone with this thing, so they're at, no. There, there needs to be the power behind the swing. So there's stuff in this which didn't always necessarily make sense to me. Now, obviously, obviously, I understand. I'm probably thinking way too hard about this shit, but I just get thrown sometimes watching this stuff, you know what I mean? They like yes, there is the 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 whole self um what's the word I'm thinking of? Oh suspension of belief. Suspension of belief, that's probably the gist of what I'm trying to say. There's that, right? There is definitely that, and I will do that. But then there's also gotta be some stuff where you'd be like, mm, like when we see the Batman on the tube station. You have people being like, who is this? And it's just like, mm, 
two years in, they would know who that was. Right? Two years in, they would know. Look, there's the bat signal. Everyone would know who the Batman is, but we have people act like, who's he? Who's this person? Right? Which doesn't necessarily make sense. If it was year one, right? I could get that a bit more. Not in year two. No. A, a guy running around a city dressed as a bat? And, and no one's like, no, everyone would fucking know. You know what I mean? It's just, doesn't didn't really make any sense, some of that stuff, right? I think also, there's, from what I was led to believe, this was meant to be a more realistic kind of version, right? Which, I mean, realistic in the context of a comic book, right? A bit like how Joker was a bit more, you know, grounded, right? So in that sense... The mask thing doesn't work or this iterate just because the jaw, I think you could guess who he is from the fucking jaw, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, right? If someone just covers, goes like that on a picture of Bruce Wayne, you'd be like, hold on a second. Hmm. Right? You want to disguise the jaw. You can guess who someone is. Right? The eyes are kind of disguised. Right? That whole thing. You'd be like, all right, that, that's kind of cool. That makes sense. I, yeah, I enjoy That's, you know, yeah, videos. All right. Cool, cool. But yeah, the jaw just seemed weird. And also the voice. Because without a voice modulator, you'd be like, okay, no weird voice cool but it then does make you more susceptible to being found out right right now also like we get a lot of you know batman's a detective but there's a load of shit which he's d doing you'd be like hmm okay well how would you not check that right that, like, how would you not understand that there's risks of pen drive, the whole pen drive thing? You'd just be like, well, yeah, you're not just plugging a pen drive into any old computer, right? Now, there are huge things, right? The amount of companies that I've done work with, and you're trying just trying to send them an email. You're like, ah, our systems don't accept mail from here. Or you try and send a, a, a link for Zoom or something. And be like, oh, we only use this one. Or we got a bespoke one, right? And then going to do installations and think you can't just plug anything into certain systems, right? Because of risks. It's always, like, well, you know, we don't want to get any Trojans, any bugs any blah 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 so you're not just plugging a fucking pen drive into anything right because something will happen which it did <laughs> you know what I mean it's like thinking pictures who would take these pictures where are those pictures taken from okay with an, a telescopic lens where could those be which might give you a locate like an idea of who this person is. No one's thinking that, right? 
when you think of a rat with wings, the only person they think of is the penguin. So many other options, and no one like just it's kind of crazy when you think. Okay, this guy, this person, we don't know who it is yet, is going after all these high-powered people. Surely you then put protection on all these high-powered people. Right? It's just a logic thing, but these things just aren't happening. It is very odd. Right? There's certain shit that just doesn't make any sense. So you'd be like, surely... Right, this, this thing. And there's a bit with a bomb. Batman's looking at this bomb. He knows it's going to... But he still continues to stand there. And you're just like... At this point, right? You would try and move, right? Whether the... You know, like I think in previous Batmans, the cloak has got some protective... So you'd wrap it around... Something! Not just what he does... Because you're just like, you're getting seriously fucked up. And we do see Batman get fucked up at once in, in, in one sequence. But next, he's walking absolutely fine. Which you're just like, oh, wait, what? This makes no sense. <sighs> Man. And it's not, I, listen, understand. It's not, I don't hate the film. I did feel the film was long. I felt the film was fucking long, right? And it definitely felt long. That was one of the big things here. It's 176 minutes, so um, just under three hours, right? And it definitely felt like that. There's definitely stuff that you think, eh, was this really needed? Could we have trimmed this a little bit? Where is it taking us, Right? And we've got Catwoman. Catwoman's got a girlfriend, which is like, cool. But then we have scenes with her kissing Batman. And you're just like, why? Like, why? Now, I, look, you want to give Batman a love interest, or you know what I mean? Well, firstly, there's so many people you could throw into that mix, right? But if we're saying, you know, Catwoman's a lesbian, then you know, do we need this? Like, um, do we need this just in general? Because it's just you know, just that whole thing, strong female character, but needs to be saved, needs this, needs to be, you know what I mean? All the time. And it's just like, it's boring. It's just, but in this instance, just wasn't, just wasn't needed. Right? There, there's some funny bits. Like, we see, you know, Bruce with his shirt off doing stuff in the house. But he's also got a fire blazing. So the room's cold. So then it's just like, why you got a shirt off then? Right? Like, there was no reason to have the shirt off. In, I think, both of the scenes we see him with the shirt off. And it's just like... Like, why is this... Like, what is this scene doing? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's just weird. It's just weird. Right? Now, 
I think in previous Batmans, we've seen him train, right? So we'd be like, okay, that's how he became a big, big fighter. Like, um, I think he trained with Razal Garrel in in one of them. It may have been one of the Nolan ones. I forget. Um, which is fine, but I don't think we've ever been told how he supposedly got his detective skills, right? Because that's the big thing. How's he, right? We see him on a on a motorbike, and we see him out of costume on that motorbike. And you're thinking, like, okay, so Batman leaves the scene, walks across the road, then someone on a motorbike rides off. Surely people would think, hold on, we saw Batman go there. Now this person's riding, hmm, follow that bike, right? When we see Catwoman leave her yard, not very discreetly. We see a load of people do shit, not very discreetly. And it's just like, how is no one following? Like, how is no one looking into this? <laughs> you know, it's very good. But I will say, Colin Farrell, pretty fucking great as the Penguin. I can see why they decided to spin that off into a TV series. He he was pretty good. Pretty good, yo. Um, yeah, it's interesting because you think, I think, just because Danny DeVito and the way he's shown in the you know the old TV series and all of that, I think you think about you know him as a shorter guy, but it still works. He's still kind of menacing and all of that, so it's great, you know. Zoe Kravats as Selena Carl, not bad. Not bad. You know, Robert Patterson as, as Batman, not bad. The Bruce Wayne thing was weird, because as Bruce Wayne, they have him looking, it looks like he's got AIDS or something. Right? Look, he just looks mad ill, and it's just like, why do you have to look so ill? Like, what is that bringing to this? And there's a weird scene where... um. Alfred's like, oh, you, you're ignoring all your Bruce Wayne shit. He's just like, I don't care about that. This is all I care about. And it's just like, well, <laughs> how are you affording that without the money that you're making as Bruce Wayne, right? That's paying for this shit. You know what I mean? So this shit. And the other thing, it, it you feel the through everything that he's gone through, there's an understand, like, and I feel he mentions, like, oh, I understand that, you know, the world isn't a perfect place, and people do these things, and blah, 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 but throughout the film, we have someone say something to him, and be like, okay, right, that, then it's true, you know what I mean, it's like, like, and also, gangsters, Gangsters being like, yeah, this is what happened. And you'd be like, okay, that's what happened then. You're thinking, surely you would understand that you're not getting the full picture here. Right? It's just very peculiar. You know? Like, over and over again, throughout the film, he's getting second-hand info and going, right, that is verbatim of what was said and what happened. I, I don't need to look into this at all. Which, yeah, weird. Very weird. Makes no sense. 
the whole ending thing is a lot that made no sense, right? When you think about, okay, if this was a, a, a political thing, there'd be security everywhere. They would have run so many checks on the building. So then how would that happen, right? How would that happen? At the funeral, you'd be like, a car, there's no way a car would have got that close, right? There's this, in a world that's meant to be a bit more realistic, there's a lot of shit that wasn't overly realistic, you know? I will say, though, it wasn't, yeah, as I said, look, it wasn't a terrible film. Too long, definitely too long. I feel that the the Nolan one still better, apart from that third one, which stank, right? Right? But, yeah, this was still decent, and you still want to see where it could go, right? So it laid a decent foundation. Definitely flaws. I'm, I'm Yeah, I don't feel it's the best superhero film ever, or just our best film ever, right? A lot of the shit that was said about this film, I'm a little baffled, right? But yeah, still solid, you know what I mean? Still solid. So yeah, we'll see where it goes, right? There's a lot of foundation that has been laid now. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. The end, the end scenes though, right, that whole stuff in Arkham, you'd be like, that's a real security flaw, <laughs> you know what I mean, be, having prisoners being able to talk to each other, when you think of the prisoners that are in there, right, that's a security flaw, like, fucking crazy, this is like, what, what, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> but it is what it is, people, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, that's just my take on the Batman. Also, are you really calling yourself the Batman? Right? Ah, that, that made that never made any sense. It's like in comic book comic book stories when um, you know, it's like um, we're in a civil war. Yeah, this is a civil war. Oh, this is a secret war. I feel yes, the event of the secret war. No one's saying it like that what are we doing i don't believe everyone's going he's the batman <laughs> it would just be like yo batman's up in this joint like batman no one's saying the batman like that come on now what the fuck are we doing what are we doing hopefully this is all of this weird shit can get ironed out in the sequel let us see Okay, so we bring you a new film to end things. Uh, good people at Signature threw it my way. It is This Is The Year. Okay, so the good people over at Signature sent me this new film, This Is The Year, right? It is the featured directorial debut from David Henry. He also co-wrote the film 
with uh, Pepe Portillo, Bug Hall, and Sienna Aquilian. Uh, the film is then produced by James Henry, um, Leo Severino, and it is executive produced by Ray Bradley, Greg Christie, Dennis J. Gallagher, Joe Gowalas, David Gendron, Selena Gomez, Stefan Jacobs, Scott Katzman, John Kingston, Luca Matt Rundola, Catherine McKenney, Chris Molinax. Luca Rimea, Jerry Rothschild, Philip Samecki, and Jason Weinberg. It is associate produced by Greg Sulkin, uh, Pepe Portillo, Frankie Maines, Nick Logan. Doo -doo -doo. Patrick Heapy, Bug Hall, uh, Ron Goldman, and Doug Coop. Yeah, uh, line produced by David E. Gornston. Music was handled by Benjamin Zecker. Nathaniel Voss handled cinematography. Marcus Helica and Pepe Portillo edited the film. Nancy Nail handled casting. Production design is Alexi Johnson and Angelo Libuti. Art direction, Alexis Wade. Set decoration, Mark A. Terry. Costume design, Sky Stewart Short. Hair and makeup, Ashley West, Tiffany Lord, Jason Frazier, and Julie Callahan. And our cast. Well, we have got Josh, right, who is played by um, Lorenzo James Henry. And yes, that is a brother of the director. A younger version of Josh that we see at the very beginning is played by Boston Pierce. Um, we have then got uh, his, like, oh, it's his best friend, Mikey, played by Jack Short. Mikey's brother, Donnie, played by Bug Hall. Um, there is... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Zoe, right, played by Alicia Jarrells. That's Josh's cousin. And his best friend, Molly, played by Vanessa Moreno. Um, Zoe's boyfriend is Kale, played by Greg Solkin. 
Um, yeah, there's Sophie played by Cat Catsman, um, who Kale meets at the gig. Um, who else do we have? We've got Josh's teacher, Mr. Elmer, played by Jeff Garland. Um, there is Liz, played by Deanna M. Cruz. Luca, who Donnie befriends, is played by Greg Christie. Food truck, all of that. Jam. Um, we've got Sebastian, who jumps in as a love interest. He's played by director David Henry. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Dr. Space Cakes, played by Sammy Voigt. Um, yeah, I feel that's probably our main group. Right? I think that's it. Um, maybe Leo, played by Trey Shable, um, and Danica, played by Yvette Gregory. Now, the gist of the film, people, is this. Okay? In a last-dish effort to win over the girl of his dreams, a nerdy high school senior... And his best friends embark on a road trip to see their favorite band at the biggest music festival of the year, only to discover true love in the most unexpected place. Hmm. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, it then says, this is the year is a feel-good temptation contemporary spin on many of the classic 80s movies that resonated with that era's youth. It aims to address the issues facing teens today, speaking their language and breaking through with a story that actually means something. Right. Okay. So, this film, it opens up with a young Josh, right? Lying on his bed, flicking through channels, and then he comes across this 80s film, right? An 80s film where, you know, this guy, and he, he's like this nerdy little guy, and he's looking at these cheerleaders, and then he asks like this, you know, cool dude next to him. He's like, how, how do you know what love is? How do you know when you're in love? And the guy's like, you just feel it. And then this, you know, the cool guy locks eyes with the lead cheerleader and boom, right? And this resonates with young Josh. So we then see him, we jump 10 years later, right? He's just about to graduate school and he's bought himself a jacket just like this character in this 80s movie. Which, I mean, it wasn't cool then. It's not cool now, right? <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's, you know, him, tr you know, like, like they're driving to school, 
and his friends are like, um, oh, we, we yeah, we're just picking up, you know, your cousin. And the girl, right, is Zoe. But here's the thing. Now, it's his cousin, right? There's no part of the fucking film where it's just like, yeah, maybe don't date your cousin, right? I feel that that's what happened. That's what it was said. Right? Otherwise, it's not very clear. But it sounded like she was his cousin. Right? And yeah, that was super weird. Super fucking weird. Because it's just like, you're not going to date your cousin. You know what I mean? But the thing is, right, for me here, now, in this synopsis, right, it says that it's aiming to address issues facing teens today. It didn't address any of that, it, like nothing. You know what I mean? Like, this was a film that would speak to anyone, I think, that enjoyed, you know, if you enjoy stuff like the Broken Hearts Gallery, right? Or um, about fate, you know, films like that. If if that's your jam, nothing wrong with that, right? Freaky, you know, the the Lucy Lo Lindy Lonzi Lonzi Lu Ah, oh, the Lohan chick. What's the name? It begins with L. Fuck. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, people. It, 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 I feel it speaks to th that that person, right? Because it is very superficial, right? We're, we're getting surface level shit here, you know. Um, it, it, it's not going deep, right? Because at no point do we really have Josh trying to find out what Zoe likes, right? There's none none of that. It's not. I really like her because, you know, she digs these things and we connect on this level and blah, blah, blah. No, nothing. So it's not giving you that, right? Showing oh, how you might want to connect with someone or anything like that. His best friend, Molly, who lives across from him, you know, in that typical kind of 80s vibe. You know, and so they talk through their bedroom windows. Hey, you know, <laughs> but as soon as that, like, you know where this story is going, right? You know where the story is going. Uh, but yeah, they, they've got Zoe, like Molly, who wants to get into psychology. And there's a bit where she, he, you know, she's like, um, talking with Zoe and Zoe's like oh well you know psychoanalyze me and she's like oh no people get upset when I do it and he's like oh no I'll be fine do it but you know where that scene's going but here's a, a, the other thing right you could only really break someone down if you know that person as far as we know these 
these girls don't hang out. Right? We've never seen like scenes where they're hanging out and doing all of this. So everything just seems rather weird in that regard. You know? It's just these, it's not going deep. Right? And when the film is saying that it's looking to speak the language of this generation, it's, it's not doing that. Right? It's not going. Oh, yes, social media is telling you, like, these. this is the way that you're meant to live your life. And, you know, or one night stands are cool. And just, it's not speaking on anything. Right? It's, it's not addressing any of these issues that might be facing contemporary teens. So it's a bit weird. Right, I do not think it is, you know, addressing people of this era. I, I think it's just kind of trying to do that 80s thing. You know, where you've got a guy, he thinks he's in love with someone, and then all of a sudden he realizes that, oh, I'm in love with the person that was in front of me all the time. Right, which is all well and good, but if you've lipsed up a girl, you know what I mean, and you're telling people, Oh, yeah, no, we had this moment, we connected on this different level, blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden, it's like, Actually, no, I'm in love with that person. It's just like, What the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, if they were really doing it. It would just be like, hold on, you literally just kissed that girl. So I like you, but let's just go on a date first, right? If it ended like that, you'd be like, yo, okay, yeah, that's dealing, that, 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 that's kind of real. That's that's kind of, you know what I mean? People taking charge of their situation and, you know, but it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. We got some weird moments, you know, they're, they're going to this festival, right? And again, you, it's a weird lie to tell, right? The, the, it all starts off with this weird lie, which makes no sense. And it's just, what the fuck are you doing? And then it just keeps on going and going and going. Right, you've got someone that wants to go to university, but he's like, I don't want to offend my brother and his dream and blah blah blah. But no one's talking. Right now, if they wanted to deal with communication, that would have been fine. But again, they're not really dealing with these issues, you know. But food trucks, you know. Fruit trucks is trendy, so they throw fruit trucks into it. And when they, like, you know, Donnie turns up with this food truck, it's dirty as fuck, right? And you think, if you're buying, if someone's selling a food truck, or just anything, a truck, a car, like, they would have cleaned it. Do you know what I mean? Is you'd think they would have cleaned it, right? Now, it's not like he, he turns up and he's like, oh, yeah, it's just a bit bad and uh, we need to give it a paint and all of this stuff. Everything works. I tested everything. 
don't say that. So then at the end, when it's just like they're cooking in it, you're just like, wait, hold on. Hold the fuck on. And they go to the supermarket to buy ingredients, right? Go to the supermarket to buy ingredients. And it's like, they're just it's shitty ingredients, right? So there's no one literally going to be, this is one of the best things I've ever had. Because it's, it's not good ingredients, like, none of it makes sense. Like, they go to, there's a bit where they, they, you know, Josh is running through this festival and he goes through a tent. Everyone's wearing headphones, right? And the headphones that you wear for a silent disco. But we, as the audience, can hear the music, which is just like, hold on. That makes no sense. If it's a silent disco, Right, everyone's jamming to different music. We shouldn't hear the music, right? It's just like, huh? And it's always weird when you have those scenes and everyone's jumping around like it's an energetic song, but the song that's actually playing is kind of low key, and you're just like, no one, no one jumps around to songs that kind of song like that. Like, what are we, what are we doing? This is weird. It's weird. <sighs> now, listen. The acting is fine, right? It's just the script. It's not... <sighs> like, it works for a film which you just don't think about. If you just want some popcorn, a doppelganger of a just mediocre 80s film, this is it. This is it. It's not pretty in pink. You know what I mean? It, it's not a John Hughes film of this era, unfortunately. I think that's what it wants to be. It's not that, right? It's not, it, you know, it, it's like she's all that. It's trying to be something like that because we do get that scene, right, where the girl gets a makeover, but it's like she's not plain or ugly or anything. You know what I mean? Before the makeover, so it's just like, oh my god, look at you! And it's just, oh, come on, man, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's just, yeah, it's one of them films, man. It's one of those films, and they're it's not very diverse. <laughs> I was just say that it's not very diverse. Fuck. <laughs> but hey, if as I said, look, if you like something like the Broken Hearts Gallery, you know, those type of jams, then this could be for you, people. So listen, if a base level eight is kind of flick is your thing, then this is the year will will be cool. You're jammed to it. You'll you'll get on very fine. But it's not reinventing the, uh, you know, the tale, right? It's not even really a modern spin on it. You know what I mean? But to each their own, man. To each their own. The film is out um, on the second. So, uh, yeah, you can start your new year with this, if you wish. All right? 
This is the year. Boom. Okay, people. So we draw to a close on our last episode of the year. But before we do, let's take a look at what's happening in the world of film. Okay, so, um, you know, uh, Disney have got their live action Little Mermaid dropping next year. And, um, yeah, you know, this press tours and all of that jam happening, you know what I mean? Uh, At one of these... Right, it has been mentioned by Rob Marshall, right, that they will be fleshing out the character of Eric to to make him more of a you know 3D person rather than the one-dimensional thing that we have in the cartoon. Um, also out doing press at the moment is um Dan Hammond. Right, and he recently spoke to um, the six seasons and a podcast about the community film, right? And uh, yeah, he's he's basically said, um, this it's one of the first things to rule out because it's the first thing off the top of your head. And that's an issue with the community movie concept. We tried to do a bunch more paintballs and they were all perfectly wonderful things to do, but would anything ever capture the joy of the original paintball episode? So yes, no paintball in the film. Um, He also said, you're not going to do anything terribly clever with using the school's demise or re- or resurrection as a device because you don't want too much of your movie to be spent unrecognizable. There's a reason to get together and there's a reason they have to stay together. So, you know, we will see what... You know what I mean? What warrants a community film? You know what I mean? Um, now, there's been a few records being broken recently. One was from Top Gun Maverick. So after it's still showing at the box office, right, it has proved to be um, just as big a hit on... Um, Paramount Plus, right? Um, Yeah, so from the 22nd of December to the 25th, Paramount have said it was the most watched movie premiere ever on the service, right? Which killed Sonic the Hedgehog by 60%. Okay, so that's pretty uh, pretty big, right? And it also meant people went and watched the original Top Gun and other Tom Cruise films, right? 
which, yeah, you know, not, not surprising. Now, seeing the service is, what, a year old? <laughs> to be like, yo, it's our biggest... I mean, you ain't had a lot of films, so uh, hold your horses a little, squire. You know what I mean? <laughs> Another film that has been a huge, huge hit is Glass Onion, right? Um, from Ryan Johnson, which uh, dropped last week. We looked at it last week as well, people. Go back to that episode, episode 233. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's supposedly become Netflix's sixth biggest film debut with 82.1 million hours streamed on its first three days on the service, which, I mean, that's a lot of fucking people, right? Jeez. You know? Um, yeah, and, you know, the top film is Red Notice, which Glass Onion is a far better film. You know what I mean? But Red Notice had The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot. So uh, it's always, I think, an action film is always going to skew a little bit higher. But yeah, Glass Onion, killer. Killer. You know what I mean? Okay. And another bit of film news, right? It's the Christmas number one, right? It's only been out two weeks. Only been out two weeks. And Avatar, The Way of Water, has already made over a billion dollars on the global box office. That is crazy, right? I mean, it's not that surprising is the anticipation for the film, like, no one was really talking of sequels. But once you heard they were coming, I think a load of people were like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then just, there's been no word of it being shit, right? It, all, all, all the press out there is like, it's a good, a really good film. So, yeah, you're going to get all those motherfuckers run into the cinema because people just want great stories, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Now, supposedly, Cameron has said, because of all the costs and everything like that, it has to make two Billy to be um, profitable. And for the third sequel to be made, because the second one is already done, right? That's coming next year regardless. But for the, the third sequel to be made and possibly, you know, maybe they do the third and fourth back to back. I mean, I feel they've, I think they've already shot some of the third. But for us to get those, it needs to do two, right? And <laughs> I mean, you kind of feel it's probably going to do that, right? Because it's two weeks and it's done over once. So, yeah, it, it's going to be in the cinema a good while still, so you know what I mean. We will see what happens now. This, oh, I'm looking forward to this, right? 
because I went to see um, Tambourine, right? Uh, Chris did Tambourine at the O2 Arena in London. It's just up the road from me. I went, that was great, right? So his new special, Selective Outrage, is going to be a live stream on Netflix, which, I mean, how is this going to work, right? But we have a date. We know when this is happening, right? The 4th of March, 2023. So they give a time. It's 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Eastern, right? I'm not quite sure what that is in London at the moment. But, boy, I'm looking forward to this. You know what I mean? I'm definitely looking forward to this. Um... And let's end with this one, right? So yesterday was Stanley would have been Stanley's a hundredth birthday, a hundredth birthday, right? Woo! Um, I mean, he lived until he was ninety something. You know what I mean? Which was just like insane. Uh, but to mark the hundredth birthday. Disney and Marvel announced that they will be making a documentary about Stan and just everything that he did, right? All the creations with Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, and everyone else. You know what I mean? When you think of the characters, Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Hulk, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Daredevil, Ant-Man. Woo! Some great fucking characters, man. I mean, he's done a lot. So it'll be interesting to, uh, you know what I mean, to see what this um, documentary, you know, how it tells the story. You know what I mean? So I am definitely looking forward to that. No, no word on when it will be dropping. Um, just sometime next year. You know what I mean? So we will see. We will see. But people, that is it. That is it. Um, thank you to everyone who has you know followed the, the podcast for another year. I mean, big props to all the people that have helped. So, AJ, you know what I mean? AJ's been a fucking star, as always. You know, great people at Signature, Lionsgate, DDP, DDA, DDP, DDA. No, it's DDA, isn't it? Oh, man, they've always been great. Um, Strike Media. You know, Justin, he, he sent some things through. You know I mean, just um, Kayla, right? Um, she's been great as always. So, yeah, just everyone that has helped. All the people giving their time for the conversations. You know what I mean? And we've had some great conversations, right? So, man, London Flair as well. You know, they've been great. So, um, yeah, people. It's only going to get better in 2023. And, uh, you know, it, it was meant, certain things were meant to happen this year. They didn't quite work out. But you, there'd definitely be some changes coming production-wise and all of that. Jam. But, yeah, people, next year is going to be even, even greater. 
So, um, yeah, enjoy the ride. Enjoy your films. We will see you in 2023. Um, yeah, and remember, share with your peoples. And if there's anything you want to see, just hit me up, right? Leave my funky message. Feel me? All right, motherfuckers. Enjoy your New Year's Eve. Peace. Thank you.